Welcome back to Sister Ellie Cat's Tea, where we talk about all things church related. And on today, we are going to continue our journey out of the book of James, out of the epistle of James. James was the leader of the Jerusalem church, the Judean church, and he was the brother of Jesus Christ. Now, James began to write this epistle to the scattered believers of the house of Israel. And in chapter one, James began to deal with the attitude, attitudes of the people in the midst of their trials, in the midst of their circumstances, in the midst of their calamities. So he began to deal with those attitudes and he began to tell us that we must have joy through it Oh my God from Zion, how do you have joy in the midst of your uh, trials? And he also began to talk about how we are not supposed to be double-minded. We have to grow. We have to mature in our faith. And James really began to hit home in the book, in the first chapter of, of the book of James. He did not cut any corners. He came and he told it like it is is and now on today we are going to go to the second chapter of the epistle of james and we are going to see what james has to say to us here and let me tell you i tell you to put on your big girl and your big boy panties are are put put them on on today because james he does not cut any corners he does not um uh sugar-coated he comes straight for that thing that dwells on the inside of us that should not be so we're going to start here at chapter 2 and we're going to hear what James has to tell us on today now James was displeased with the inconsistencies among the brethren so he attacked the attitudes these believers displayed toward others and then he complained of their failures to act as they should. He first condemned the attitudes of favoritism and gave suggestions on how to combat this obstacle and suggestions on how to gain spiritual maturity. We talked about that maturity in chapter one. Now the key command here is to not show favoritism. Why? Because God does not show favoritism. God is not a respecter of person. He doesn't uh, uh, do something for me and don't do it for you. He will do it for you just like he does it for me. James condemned prejudice and preferential treatment. Then he gives us an example. Now those examples are in verses two and three. Now, after the examples, James asked them a penetrating question. Have you not discriminated among yourselves? Have you not done that? Well, the answer to that is yes, they have. They must admit to biased actions and also admit to assuming the role of judge with evil thoughts and prejudice so james went right there he went right to that attitude again how you have favoritism you you um 
when someone with uh, nice clothing come in, you favor that one. You want that one to sit in the high seat and those that come in with ragged clothes, you don't favor that one. You want that one to sit in the low seat. This should not be, first of all, in the house of God. So James went right there. He hit the nail on the head. There should not be favoritism. There should not be prejudice in the church of God. No matter how you cut it, no matter how you slice it and dice it, it should not be in the house of God. Now, James explained why their preferential judgment is wrong by asking four questions. He began to ask them. And my God from Zion, the answer to all four of these questions is yes. What are the questions? Has God not chosen those who appear poor materially, but are rich spiritually to inherit his promised lands? Yes. Yes, he has. Are not the rich, the ones who are constantly guilty of oppression, extortion, and slander? Well, yes. The answer to that question is yes. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into the court system and, and, and fighting against you in court? Well, the answer to that is yes as well. Are they not the ones who slander the noble name of Jesus Christ? All believers belong to Jesus. And the answer to that is yes. My God from Zion James tells them, which are us as well, that if you really keep the royal law, the law of God, your your love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing good. Now, if you keep this royal law that you love your neighbor as yourself, he said that you're doing good. You are being obedient to the word of God. But if you have respect of persons, it is sin. You are sinning. If you have respect of persons, if you respect that one that is clothed in fine linen and driving in a fine car, if you respect that one and you look down upon those that are in ragged and torn clothes and don't even have a car, that is favoritism. And James began to let us know that we are sinning when we do that. Now listen, we don't want to do that. We don't want to sin. We don't want to have favoritism. We do not want to have respect the person. Why? Because God does not have respect the person. We can think about uh, the story in the uh, scriptures of how the, the, the man, the, the poor man sat at the gate of the rich man's house begging for the crumbs off his table and and the uh, poor man began to die and he went to Ap Abraham's bo bosom the rich man began to die and he went he lifted up his eyes in hell and he began to ask Abraham for for the um the poor man to uh, just give him a, a drop of water. Just give me some water. Can he come over here and give me some water? Basically, I'm just saying it in my words, but you can read it for yourself. And there was there's a, a, a chasm between the two. No, those in heaven can't go to hell and give you water. And then, <coughs> excuse me, he asked if um, 
the poor man could go back and tell his family, tell his brethren not to come here to hell. No, he cannot do that. Why? Because if if, the, if they're not listening to the word of God, if an angel of God goes and they don't listen to them, what makes you think he's going to listen to this person here, this dead individual or this individual who have died already? They're not going to listen. You got to go read that story. <coughs> I didn't have it in my notes. Excuse me. To give you the scripture and I may just plug it in the comments but listen you have to read that because no nobody can do that for you you yourself have to live for God accordingly you can and we cannot have a prejudice we can't uh, extol of the rich and look down upon the poor no we cannot do that and James is letting us know here we cannot do that now James was aware that some might dismiss this offense of prejudice as a trivial fault just a, just a small fault in my feast of chariots you know just a small something however James made it very clear that this is no small offense. God does not look down upon this as a small offense. This is huge in the eyes of God. So whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles at just one point is guilty of the whole thing. Is guilty of it all. So if you keep the whole law and you say, okay, I got, I'm keeping the whole law. I'm keeping the Ten Commandments. I'm doing everything that the Word of God tells me to do. But you have prejudice in your heart. Then all of that, uh, all that other stuff that you say that you are keeping is worthless. Why? Because you, and when I'm saying you, I'm talking about in general, we as a people, as humankind, as mankind, and we stumble in just one point, we are guilty of it all. There is no special indulgence. James used the instance of adultery and murder to show the foolishness of irregular obedience. You can't be obedient in this thing and then not obedient in that thing. It's foolishness to think that you're keeping it all and God God doesn't God frowns on it basically. Therefore speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law, which gives us freedom. Disobedience to the law of God brings bondage to those who have been merciful. To those who have not been merciful. If I don't be merciful and I'm disobedient, if I'm not merciful to others, then God is not going to be merciful to me. The scripture tells us that God is going to judge us without mercy. We can look at Psalms 18 and 25 where it states, With the merciful thou wilt show thyself merciful, and with the upright man thou wilt show thyself upright. Remember, just as love triumphs over prejudice, mercy triumphs over judgment. So we have to be merciful. We have to love and not be prejudiced. We have to be merciful to all. Why? Because if we are not merciful, God is not going to be merciful with us. 
Now, we're going to learn something about true faith evidenced by our works. Come on, somebody. Let's get into this. Let's dig deep. Let's get our fork and our spoon and see what James has to tell us. And let's eat and eat well. Here we have, once again, a shift in subject. James addresses another situation in the church. There is a problem in the church where believers profess to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. However, at the same time, they show no evidence of sincere devotion to him or to his word. So how can we have faith and we don't show evidence in our devotion and in the word? Hmm. I don't think we can have faith and, don't, and show nothing. James started with a question as he always do. What good is it if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? He has no works. What good is it? Can faith save him? Well, listen, saving faith is always a living faith. It lives that not only confesses Jesus as Savior, but also obeys him as Lord. Loving obedience is an essential aspect of our true faith. Now, true faith must be an active and enduring faith that shapes our very existence. So here, the emphasis is not on the true nature of faith, but on the false claims of faith. They claim to have faith, but they had no works with it. It is the ungenuine boast of faith that James is condemning right here. I'm boasting that I have faith, but it's, it's not genuine. I, I'm not, I have no works with it. This type of faith is no good, James tells us. There is no profit in it. For example, James began to say, suppose a brother or a sister in Christ is without clothes and daily foods, which are our basic needs of life. Now, if you say to that person, God be with you, go in peace. I hope you stay warm and get plenty of get plenty to eat. But you don't do. Uh, you do not provide for that for their needs. Come on, somebody. I come to you and I'm, you know, I don't have nothing to eat and, uh, you know, no no warm clothes. It's the winter time. And you say to me, um, God be with you. Go in peace. And I hope you stay warm and I hope you get plenty of food. What is that for me? What does that do for me? You don't provide for my needs. Your words are worthless. Your words are nothing to me. God be with you and go in peace. When you can do something. Come on. Sentimental good wishes do little good in a bad situation. If nothing is done to fulfill the pressing needs for warm clothes and food. What good are the well wishes? What good is that? That that does nothing for me. If anything, it makes me uh, feel worse. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Because I'm thinking now, uh, you are a child of God. Are you professing to be a child of God? And you see that I have no clothes. You see that I am hungry. 
and you do not assist me with the needs. These are basic needs of life. And you don't assist me with those needs. You just give me well wishes. You know, God be with you. And, and <laughs> you expect it to fall out, of, which God can do. But you expect it to fall out of the sky. And you tell me, God be with you. And I hope you have plenty to eat and get warm. No, come on, somebody. But granted, if God want to, God can just like he, he, he rained manna down. On the children of Israel in the wilderness. He fed them. He fed them manna from heaven. Bread from heaven. So don't think he can't feed his children. It's, it's scripture. He can feed us. And he can clothe us. The children of Israel. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. But their clothes did not go bad. Their clothes did not rot. Their shoes did not go bad. God did that. So granted, yes, God can feed and clothe his people. He can do whatever he desires to do. But listen, these things are for our sake. We the believers. For, for we the ones that's on the side that, that is able to supply those clothing and food, it's for us to have faith or to do good works, good deeds, so God can continue to bless us. And it is for that one on the other side who needs the clothes and who needs the food that they can have more faith in God. If God did it for me this time, I know he can do it for me again. So it's for both sides of the picture. Come on, somebody. Yes, we understand that God can rain it down from heaven if he so desire. He's done it before. He can do it again. But no, it is not for that reason. It is not the situation here that James is talking about is not for that. This situation is for the individuals on both sides and mainly for the one who's on the side that's able to contribute. Say your well wishes are nothing. They're worthless. The same goes for faith. Works without faith are dead. Faith without works is dead. So if you have works and you don't have no faith, I am doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I'm reading the scriptures, I am... Uh, praying, I'm doing everything that I know how to do, but I don't believe, I don't have the faith that God is going to do it for me. It's worth this. All that moving, all that action, all that moving about, all that is worthless. I have it on the inside. I know it. I know it by heart. I know the scripture by heart. But I don't have faith. I'm not going to receive because I do not have the faith that I need. So all those works, works without faith is dead. And we can turn that corn to the other side and we can say faith without works is dead. I can have all the faith in the world. I know God is going to do it. He is going to do it for me. But I, if I sit and do nothing... I get nothing. 
if I'm believing God, I'm having faith that God is going to assist me um, uh, with uh, whatever the case may be, whatever you need from God. If God is going to assist you in um, on your job with uh, your work and and getting to uh you know, know you're working, you want to go higher on your job, you want to be elevated to another level on your job, you want to, you want to get that promotion, you want to get that commission, if, and you have faith that all of this is going to work, come to pass, but if you're not doing anything, if you're not studying your work material, if you're not uh, organizing your work material, if you're not assisting others, you know, showing form, if you just dragging in the work, 15 minutes late every day <laughs> that faith that you have of getting that promotion and you don't have no works you know you don't have no zeal it's dead it's useless it's worthless nothing is gonna happen because you have the faith but you're not doing any work you're not producing anything remember true faith always manifests itself in obedience to god and charitable works done for poverty stricken people listen we have to do charitable work for poverty stricken people now god he is very very and we've learned that in scripture already here on sister Allie cat's tea that is it, god there is something about the poor that God is, he is very keen to what's going on with the poor. So it, we should make it our business to help the poor. Poverty stricken here we can find it. James is talking about it as well. Paul, Paul talked about it when we were uh, uh, in um, the book of Amos. We found it in the book of Amos. We also found it in... The book of Timothy, Paul talked about it. Now we're here in the book of James and James is talking about it. There is something about the poor that God is very, very in tune with. So, it, you know, it behooves us. It is mindful for us to deal ourselves, be charitable, do something for the poor and, and allow God to use us in that area. Remember, true faith always manifests itself in obedience to God and charitable works done for poverty-stricken people. Here, James addresses those who professed faith in Christ and believed that their profession was all that was necessary for salvation. Come on now. We profess faith in Christ and that's all that's necessary for our salvation. I beg to differ. They believe that a personal obedient relationship to Christ as Lord is not essential. What? Come on, James. Tell us. Tell us, James. Get us. We need to hear what you have to say. James tells us such faith is dead and produces neither salvation nor anything good. My God from Zion James is not cutting no corner. That kind of faith is dead and it does not produce salvation for you. And it doesn't produce anything of a good nature. The only kind of faith that saves is faith that works. And it works by love. Come on somebody. On the other hand, we must not think that we maintain a living faith through our own effort. 
the grace of God, the indwelling Holy Spirit, and the intercession of Christ work in our lives to enable us to respond to God by faith. We, if we can, if we ever cease to be sensitive or responsive to God's grace and the leading of the Spirit, then our faith will die. The vain boast faith by itself with no evidence or action it is dead it is unproductive it is worthless it is barren come on somebody listen at what james is telling us we have faith but we just boasting about it there is no evidence there is no action james says worthless it's dead someone might say you have faith and I have deeds. Show me. Demonstrate your faith without doing anything. And listen. And I will show you. I will prove to you my faith by what I do. Oh, come on, somebody. If you want, if you want to show forth your faith, you got to do something. We have to do something. We can prove our faith by what we do and it is here in scripture we cannot walk around boasting that i have faith in god our god is going to do this for me god is going to do that for me god is going to promote me god is going to heal my body god is going to uh, save my kids god I'm, god is going to do all these things but i'm not doing anything i'm not doing anything I'm just believing it in my head. I'm not doing anything. Listen to me. It's in my head. I'm believing it in my head, but I am not doing anything. I'm not praying for my kids. I am not praying for my body. I'm not eating the right food. I'm not taking care of my body. I'm not doing the things that I need to do on the job to get that promotion. Oh, I'm not, I'm not looking for a job. Therefore, I will not receive a job if I need one. I'm not studying the word of God. I'm not getting the word on the inside of me. How can I have faith in God and, and, and co profess and confess the things of God if the word of God is not living on the inside of me? I don't have it in the, I don't know the scriptures in other words. Because the Bible tells us that the holy angels, the angels, they hearken unto the voice of the word of God. That is scripture. We can go to that scripture. Let's go there. Let's go there. That's Psalms. That's in the book of Psalms. Let me find my Bible really quickly. We are going to go there. It's in the book of Psalms, if I'm not mistaken, 103. Let's go to Psalms 103, and we are going to read it here today. The angels of the Lord, they hearken unto the voice of the word of God. So if we do not have the word of God on the inside of us, so we can speak it out of our mouths, then yeah we got an issue here honey i don't care if you get one scripture i don't care if you know one scripture just one honey get that one scripture 
and speak it and hold on to it with everything that you have on the inside. Yes, my God from Zion. Where is that? I am looking. I want to I want to share that scripture with you. I want to share that scripture with you and I looks as though I may have I'm having a hard time finding it. Well, not a hard time. I just need to get the right book. But yes, so if we don't show forth some works, if we don't show forth some works with our faith, what good is it going to do, do for us? And that is Psalms 103. And we're going to go down to verse 20. The book of Psalms 103 and verse 20. Get the right verse for you. One o three verse twenty, and what does the word of God say? And I'm reading from the King James version. It says, "Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments. Hearken unto, hearkening unto the voice of His word." Let me read that again. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his, that do his pleasures. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So my God from Zion. This scripture is letting us know that the angels, they hearken to the voice of the word of God. So if you only know one scripture or if you can only glean one scripture, if you can only get one scripture or remember one scripture, I don't care if it's just one scripture. I'm telling you, get that scripture down on the inside of you and speak. Speak it so the angels of God and know that the angels of God, they hear you. They hearken unto the voice. Listen, it didn't say the, the, the thought. It said the voice of the word of God, of his word. The voice of his word. His is God. The voice of his word. So get into that scripture. Read the scripture, uh, mutter the scripture, meditate upon the scripture, get it on the inside, say the scripture and know that the angels of God are hearkening unto the word of God. They are hearkening unto God's word. Now we can pray and we can cry and we can moan and groan. We can do all of that. We can do all of that. But hear me today. If you are not speaking the word of God, those angels could just be standing there waiting for you to say something that they hearken to. I can say everything that I want to say out of my own mouth. You know, words that I know 
all kind of prolific words and 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 fine speaking but if i am not saying the word of god if i am not speaking the words that are written in this bible if i am not speaking what does said the lord then the angels perhaps they may be just standing there waiting for me to say something that will catch their attention something that they will hearken unto something that will enlighten them something that their ears are listening for come on somebody so we have to get the word on the inside of us so we can't walk around with just faith and do nothing ye believers that there you believe that there is one god well then good james is telling us you do well but guess what james say but the demons believe they believe that also and they tremble with fear so believe in god that's good but the devil believed god that there is one god the demons believe that there is one god come on james is not cutting no corners with us james is saying here to believe in one god may be good so far as it goes but it goes not but it doesn't go far enough why because the demons do that as well so believe in God, you got to go farther. You got to go deeper. You got to do more. You got to believe more. You got to have more faith. You got to do something. James is not cutting no corners. He said the demons do that. Come on, somebody. That is nothing. Uh, uh, don't think that that's all that you have to do. The demons believe that there is one God. He began to say, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith, that faith that does nothing is worth nothing? He said, flimsy faith is dead. So are empty faithless works. James simply uh, said that genuine faith is accomplished by good works. Spiritual works are the evidence of sincere faith. Excuse me. Come on, somebody. James is not cutting no corners with us. He is letting us know, yeah, you can walk around with faith and no words, but that is nothing. That you, You're doing nothing. Or you can walk around with a bunch of words, but then you don't have faith. That That is not doing anything for you either. You got, they work together. They coincide. You have to have faith. And you have to have works. They, those two are married to each other. If you want to get something out of it, you have to have both. For example, James began to give us two examples, of course, in the forms of questions. James said, was not Abraham our ancestor considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? James explained that Abraham's faith and the things that he did work together. His faith was made perfect. His faith was made complete by what he did. Abraham believed God and God accepted his faith. And that faith was counted to him as righteousness. Come on, y'all. For this, Abraham was called a friend of God. I don't know about you, but I want to be called a friend of God. Therefore, I must put my faith 
and my works they have to come together to establish that and i want it to be counted as righteousness and i want to be called a friend of god we can see that people are made right with god by what they do not only by faith come on somebody we just answered the question i had at the very beginning can we be right with god with faith only no we cannot be right with god with faith only we have to have faith and we have to have works in the same way like abraham it's our second example rahab the prostitute she was made right with god by something that she did. She welcomed the spies into her home and helped them escape. She is even named in Jesus. Gen gen oh my God, Zion can't get giveaways out genealogy. And in the epistle of Hebrews 11 and 31, as a hero of faith. Come on, listen. This woman was a prostitute. She was made right with God by what she did. What she did, she, she brought the spies into her house when her people were trying to kill them. And she helped them escape. So her name is written in the, in the history of Jesus. And her name is written as a hero of faith in the book of Hebrews. And by what she did, that's all she did is she helped the people of God. She helped the children of Israel. She helped the spies. She brought them into, their, into her house so that they would not be killed by her people. And she helped them escape. Therefore, her name is written in the book. It's by what she did what she did she became right with God it's not by faith only it's by what we do we have to have both of them she ended up in the book as a hero of faith come on somebody my God from Zion in conclusion it is clear faith and deeds or faith and works are essential to each other as the body is essential with the spirit apart from the spirit apart from the breath of life which is the spirit the body is dead so if you take the breath of life out of me my body is dead so therefore I have to have that breath in me the breath of life the spirit in me in order for me to be alive so James is telling us faith and works is the same way. If you take away works, faith is dead. If you take away faith, works is dead. The same as the body and the spirit. Apart from the evidence of works, faith may be considered dead. My God from, from Zion. And that is the conclusion of chapter two of the book of James. We are going on, we are going on, and we are going to continue on to chapter three. Now, my God from Zion, this is a chapter that I had to ponder on. I had to listen to it. I had to look at it. I had to get it in my spirit. I had to think about it. I had to roll over on it. And I know that I am not the only one. Listen, chapter 
3 tells us about the tongue. We want to get deep into this. We want to hear what James has to tell us about our tongue. That little member in our body, that little thing that's in our mouth. James tells us that it is caged, or, or we can say it is caged between our teeth and our lips. It's in a cage, but listen, that little member breaks out of that cage at times and it can set the course of life on fire. And we are going to see what James had to tell us about the tongue. Another measure of spiritual maturity, what we got to learn, we got to mature in the spirit. Help us, God, help us, dear Jesus. Another measure of spiritual maturity is the believer's speech. James devoted a good portion of his letter to attacking a careless and a corrupt tongue. My God from Zion, help us, dear God, help us. Teach us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we call upon you. James appealed for a controlled tongue and controlled thoughts. Come on, somebody. Listen. Tongue thoughts. Tongue thoughts. Tongue thoughts. We're going to bring this thing together. The mouth is connected to the mind. Listen. The mouth. The mouth, that tongue just don't speak on its own accord. No, it does not. Why? Because it, it is connected to the mind. Therefore, a controlled thought pattern helps in the process of having a controlled tongue. Come on. Come on, somebody. So we're going to talk a little bit about the sins of the tongue. Let's hear what some of the sins of the tongue here uh, are. They are. James emphasizes our inclination to sin in our speaking. Sinful speaking includes harsh and unkind words, lying, exaggeration, teaching false doctrine, slander, gossiping, and boasting. Lord, help us, Jesus. Lord, help us on this journey. You know that we're made from the dust of the earth. We living in this world. The devil is on every side. Sin is on every side. The enemy is uh, uh, speaking in our ears. Lord, help us. Sinful speaking includes harsh and unkind words, lying, exaggeration, false Teaching false doctrine, slander, gossiping, boasting. All of that is sin. Sin of the tongue or sins of the tongue. Lord help us, dear God. Now listen, the tongue is a powerful little thing. The power of, of the tongue. The tongue is the main expression of our personality. Yes, the tongue is the main expression of our personality because as soon as we can walk around we can walk around quiet we don't have to say a word but as soon as we open our mouth the next individual yeah he that 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 individual most likely without a doubt uh can see our personality can hear our personality, can experience our personality. The tongue, 
is the main expression of our personality and usually calls forth an immediate reaction of one kind or another from others. So that immediate reaction could be good or it could be bad. But there will be an, an action, an immediate reaction. Mean words have wrecked many homes, divided churches, and sent unnumbered millions into despair and ruin. That's the power of the tongue. Listen, that tongue is no joke. Mean words have wrecked many homes. Many families have been dispersed. Children gone or husband and wife gone. Why? Because of mean words. Words that hurt. It's even divided churches. Churches are, have been divided because of what has been released out of somebody's mouth. And honey, I, can, I am a, a witness. I am an example of that. The church I grew up in as uh, coming to Christ. Many, many years ago, listen. I left that church because of the words that were spoken over the people. Listen, mean words. Yeah. I am an example. I have a testimony I, that I left a church. It says that many churches are divided because of mean words that come, comes out of the mouth of individuals. I left that church. That was the reason or that was the thing that made me leave. The words that proceeded out of somebody's mouth that were mean words. So I agree with the scripture. I agree with the historians. I agree with the commentaries that mean words have wrecked homes. Mean words have divided churches. And sent unnumbered millions into despair and into ruin. The words that comes out of your mouth can destroy somebody's soul. Can send somebody into despair. Can send somebody into depression. Can cause somebody to commit suicide. Because your words are mean. Ungodly. Unrighteous. Wrong. Hurtful, harmful, wicked. Yes, the power of the tongue can do all that. The power of the tongue, the, the tongue, that little member in our mouth can cause somebody to spiral into despair and possibly or ultimately to death. The words that come out of our mouths. Nonetheless, listen to me. Listen. Many religious people seem to never make an effort to control their tongues. My God and Zion, help us, dear Jesus, Holy Spirit. Listen, many religious people seem to never make an effort to control their tongues. James already told us, you know, be 
My God, swift and listen, slow to speak. Slow to anger. <laughs> listen, I walk around, I'm like, I'm telling you, I tell myself to shut up. I be like, shut up, Allison, shut up. Now that I've been reading the scripture and got it back into my system, back into my spirit, I walk around and I'll be saying, slow to speak, swift to listen. Keep your mouth shut. Slow to speak, swift to listen. Listen to what the spirit is speaking unto the church. Listen to what the individual is actually saying. Don't just fly off the handle. Or don't just just be saying something just to be saying. And we're going to get down into the scripture. And we're going to find out what the scripture tells us about that as well. So nonetheless, many religious people, they never make an effort to control their tongues. Thus the instructions that James, the overseer of the Judean church, is relevant for us today. James talked about this in the Bible days. But listen, it is relevant today. The same thing. Just... uh, tongue is uncontrolled help us dear jesus help us to control our tongue that little member mature believers keep their tongues under control by the guidance of the holy spirit lord fill us with your holy spirit we want to be renewed daily we want a fresh anointing so that we can keep our tongue under control my god from zion we take into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Yes. So when we can we mature in the spirit, we're able to control that tongue. And we know that the tra- the mind and the tongue goes together, the mind and the mouth goes together. So we have to bring into captivity those things that are in our mind in order for us to control the tongue. Come on, somebody. It, it works. It's working together. That is what the Bible tells us. The weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. We cast down imaginations and every high thing that lifts itself up against the knowledge of God. We bring into captivity our very thoughts. To the obedience of Jesus Christ. Listen, when you get a thought in your mind that you know is not of God, you know it is of the devil, you know it is of the works of darkness, the immediate response that we should have is I cast that down. I cast it down. Listen, I'm learning. I am maturing in the faith. When it comes to me, I cast it down. I'm learning how to do that. I'm learning to recognize it when it first comes. Sometimes we don't recognize it when it first comes to us. You know, it's there ringing over and over in our ears. Then we may recognize it. But I'm learning and I want to learn. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to teach me how to recognize that thing of the devil, that thought that the enemy Uh, tries to uh, put a seed, plant a seed on the inside of us, those very thoughts, those very um, accusations, those very, uh, let's see, deception, all of that deception that the enemy tries to put on the inside of us. Ask the Holy Spirit to to help, help us to recognize it immediately so we can cast it down. I cast that thought down in the mighty name of Jesus Christ through by the power of the Holy Ghost and through by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Get thee hence, devil. Get. Get rid of that thought. I bring my thoughts under obedience uh, 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 into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ. If it, if it ain't got nothing to do with Jesus Christ, I cast you out. Get. Get. You got to go. So this is how we have to believe. This is how we have to do. This is how we mature in the spirit. This is how we learn how to mature in the spirit. How to learn to uh, overcome the works of the enemy. Where he's trying to bring us into captivity. No. Get thee hence, devil. Get. Go to dry places. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now how do we control our talk James proceeded from out of faith to out of speech here James is starting out making a statement to his brother many should not consider the office of an unofficial teacher that is not apostolic or prophetic status he said James James's complaint was simply that too many believers were overly anxious to speak up and show all not that you don't want to be having office, but what was behind that? Why you want that office? You want that office to speak up and to show off is what James is saying here. He said um, he wanted them to know that those who teach have a greater responsibility and will be judged harder than others. Teachers, a, con a teacher's condemnation is greater because having professed to have a clear knowledge of duty, he is all the more bound to obey it. If he teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, he should be doing everything in his power to live it. Come on, somebody. If we are teachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are bound by what we teach. We are bound by the word of God. And let me tell you, listen, if you're a teacher, preacher, prophet, whatever, the devil is going to try you. He is going to come for you. Listen to me. Why? Because you are doing good in the body of Christ. You are, are, are uh, teaching uh, the things of God. You are uh, helping somebody to learn. You are helping somebody to change their way of thinking. You are helping somebody to mature in Christ. You are helping somebody to grow. You are helping somebody to give their life to Christ. You are helping somebody to come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the enemy does not like that. So he is going to come for you. Listen to me. Honey, I am telling you what I know. I'm not telling you something that I have read or I've thought about. I'm telling you something that I know. I was a teacher. Sunday school teacher. Yes, and the devil came for me. Yes, he did. And he knocked me off of my stance in God. Why? Because there was an open door there, of course. But what I am saying, make sure your calling and your election, make sure that what you're doing for God, that you are sure in it and make sure that you are doing it for the right reasons and make sure you are doing it well and make sure you are watching 
as well as praying. Listen, because that devil is going to come for you. I want to make it clear. If you are a teacher, preacher, prophet, whatever the case may be, if you are doing something for uh, the kingdom of God, if you are doing something for the kingdom of life, if you're doing something for Jesus Christ, if you're doing something for God, if you are doing good, if you are being obedient to the word of God, the devil is going to come for you. Listen, James is telling us here a teacher. He, I mean, he was actually encouraging them not to run after the office of a teacher. Why? Because uh, teachers have a greater responsibility and will be judged harder than others. Teachers are going to be judged harder. Why? Because they have a clear knowledge of the duty. They have a clear knowledge of the word of God. It makes me think about, I don't know about you, but I, the, the, the movie, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, that movie, Jesus of Nazareth. There, there are a lot of movies out there about the story of Jesus Christ, but my favorite is the one called Jesus of Nazareth. And let me tell you, I would always say the guy or the man that uh, acted, the actor that portrayed the role of Jesus himself. I would always say if that man do not make it into heaven, something is wrong with him. Because he played that part extravagantly he oh my god i love that movie and i love the way he played the part of jesus of jesus and i would always say if that man he better make it to heaven because he did such a good job but listen listen let me tell you i think differently now <laughs> out of matured in the spirit come on somebody i think differently about that why because my pastor say there is a devil loose listen you can play that part and you can do it well but if you don't have something on the inside of you when that devil come for you honey you're gonna be laying flat on your back in so many words and listen i i, I have matured and yes, I don't say that no more. I just say, Lord, I pray that he make it in. I pray that all of that, he is reminded of all of the scripture and all of, I just pray that he is reminded and I pray that he make it in. Because beforehand I was like, if he don't make it in, you know, it's like my God from Zion, something wrong. But no, honey, there is a devil loose can't say that you can't say that because you could be an individual doing everything that you know how to do for Christ but if, if there's a crack open let me tell you that devil is gonna make that crack bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it is a window that he can crawl into so that's why James is saying here a teacher's condemnation is greater because Having professed to have a clear duty, a clear understanding of the word of God, and you teaching it to others, he is all the more bound to obey it. If he teaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, we should 
be doing everything in our power to live it. <laughs> However, James is saying, we all make mistakes. Ha! <laughs> Come on, James. Come on, James. Speak to us. Speak to us. James said, we all make mistakes. If people, meaning us, never said anything or done anything wrong, then they will be perfect. We will be mature and able to control everything about ourselves, controlling our entire body, our entire spiritual. Uh, we will be spiritually mature, in other words. James said, we all make mistakes. Come on. We all make mistakes. If we never said or did anything wrong, then we will be perfect and able to control everything about ourselves. For example, James gives us an example. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, we can guide the whole body. Also, a ship is very big and pushed by the winds, but a very small rudder controls that ship, making it to go where the pilot wants it to go. But it is... The same thing with the tongue. No but, but it is the same thing with the tongue. It is a small part of the body. It brags and it boasts about great things. It is very influential. My God from Zion. Guess what? I am going to stop it right there. We are done with this episode of Sister Alec Cat's Tea. We are just getting into this goodness in chapter 3 about the tongue. We have learned the power of the tongue. We've learned the sins of the tongue. Uh, unkind words, harsh words, lying, exaggeration. Teaching false doctrine, slander, gossiping, boasting. We've learned how to control our tongue or how we should control our tongue. Um, or we are beginning to learn how we should control our tongue. Praise God. We learned in chapter 2, my God from Zion. We learned that we shouldn't have a respect of person. We learned that our true faith is evidenced by our words. We cannot have faith and do not have works. It is it profits us nothing. It is worthless. Or we cannot have works and do not have faith. It is worthless. It is dead. It does not do anything for us. Just like we have the body and spirit, we have to have the breath of God on the inside of us. When the breath of God leaves us, our body is dead. It is the same thing. My God from Zion. And these are the things that we've learned thus far. And we are going to close it out because we have got to get deep down into this thing about this tongue. We got to learn about this tongue and how we are supposed to handle ourselves. How we are supposed to, uh, what we are supposed to do concerning the tongue. My God from Zion. Let us close out this episode and I will get back with you in the next episode of Sister Alley Cat's Tea. I love you guys and be blessed. Amen and amen.